The stories are sort of, to me, like messages in a bottle from shores someone else has visited first. Yes, and you're visiting those shores now. to the Penciltown Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Here in Penciltown, we examine the craft of storytelling through comics, films, books, poetry, wherever our curiosity may take us. Our ultimate goal is to bring our discoveries back into the world of comics to enrich our storytelling and create more emotional and engaging narratives. This episode is the continuation of last week's discussion, Theme Part 1, The Awakening where we discuss the merits of a theme, its elusive definition, and when it should be factored into the creative process. And if you listen to that episode already, you'll see there's a lot of back and forth, and I'm not sure we were ever actually to come up with one solid definition we could all agree on. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode yet, I strongly suggest you go back, have a listen to that one before you listen to this one, because it really sets things up nicely. This episode will focus on how a solid theme can be applied to your story to enrich the separate elements and guide you through to the end of the process. Today's episode, Theme, Part 2, The Reckoning. My name is Nick Johnson, and I will be joined by my two comic compadres, Shoyuhara and Jason Memel. Let's pick up where we left off, shall we? This idea of the theme leading the writing process, uh, I want to delve into that now, and and really talk about how having some notion of your theme can maybe help you with your characters. I think we, like, we're all, we talked a lot about process and like when we use a theme or if we should have a solid theme, but I think we can all agree that your story should be about something. Can we get on board with that? It should be about something. More than just a guy uh, returns back to the, the monks he grew up with and has to kill them all because he's possessed by the devil. <laughs> That sounds pretty cool, actually. No, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess. Uh, like, again, I, I don't disagree with that. I think, like, I, um, I'm going to throw this out here, but I'm going to say, like, let's, let's acknowledge it, but not focus on it, if only because it could be such a, such a cul-de-sac. Um, because I think there, so, so there's the kind of work that, that the three of us respond to, and that I think that, the, that is, like, connected to the work we enjoy. But mm-hmm. I, I also can't help but think about all of the like comics that were that, that have been generated, especially like in, and there was in that like sort of middle period there before uh, like 60s and 70s, where like you had comics that were that were maybe incredibly reliant on theme, but that were not about like the the others were not exploring any moral purpose of, for themselves. They were literally like kids need to know this, so I'm going to put it in, or like I just like it, like they were they were churning content. And these things that that were ultimately just like story engines that just that were more meant to keep going than they were to say anything in particular, um, right. are still dominant in our in our field and like have created a billion dollar movie empire. Mm-hmm. So, which is, but I, I, I guess would it's, argue sorry. that even those story machines, even churning stuff out, whether they meant to or not, every story you finish and release has a theme, even if you didn't want it to. Totally. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I guess, 
I because we've been talking about storytelling and process and things, and I guess like like I think if somebody's listening to this and they're enjoying it and they're like, yeah, theme, this is this is really cool, and then but then they're looking at a lot of work that I think you could say might have a theme but was not created with a theme, and that they would be like, well, but why you know why was this stuff so successful back then? You know, like uh, th- there's a lantern I want to hang or a hat I want to hang on on the applicability of this work of work in general to communicate something without without the theme process you know without the theme question built into it it's it's especially found in genre fiction where where churn is the goal not yeah not Mm -hmm. uh craftsmanship it would to, to be aware just to be aware and to consider it would make your work better i would say and, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to say yeah. that like all of that stuff that came out because there isn't a, a theme in every single issue that it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not good or it's not valid yeah. or it's, it's, or shit doesn't earn its success. I'm just saying like as creators, if our goal is to make our comics better and everybody listening who wants to make their comics better, it's knowing what a theme is and knowing how you can use it and letting it guide your storytelling could maybe take it from, Hey, that was a fun romp to damn, that had some emotion. Mm-hmm. That had uh, some structure to it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. It's. Yeah. Uh, I think it's. It's more just like acknowledging that there is, that there's work out there that doesn't follow this. Yeah. That, that isn't trying to do what we're talking about. No, no, for but, sure. And and yeah. and I know some of that work too. And I there's some of that work that I also respond to in a positive way. In a positive way, but, and it's something that like, and I I don't think it's necessarily that we're saying that those things are are bad or anything like that, but. I think more than anything, it's like we're trying to understand what a story is and what a story isn't. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, this isn't a story because now we've discovered this. It doesn't necessarily make it bad. But at the very least, it gives us a clearer vision of what a story is. And I think ultimately that can bring us closer to like more powerful content. You know, and it's not to say like story is better, <laughs> but like that story is a story. And this thing is this thing. And, you know, right, you know, like genre is genre, you know, and you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, pulp is pulp and, you know, whatever. I mean, it could have story, but there are cases where you can have material that don't necessarily, well, I'm not going to mince words. That isn't a story, <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. It just, you know what I mean? Like we're uh, was, like I'm not I'm not trying to clarify. Well, yeah. it was entertaining. It served its purpose, right? You know, like you said, that there are um, there's content where it's just churning and churning content, and to say that those things don't have story, maybe some of them do, but it's, it's more about the accuracy of something. Yeah, the, the 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 flag that went up in my brain that made me feel like I wanted to go down this cul-de-sac was that okay. was that I think a lot of it, it's it's acknowledging the stuff that our listeners may be enjoying or consuming or, or, or what have you that, 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 that don't feel like they're in line with the goals that we've been talking about, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that the work itself doesn't feel like it was generated that way, or even yeah. that, that like we can know through history and through, yeah. through research that it wasn't created with that, with that process in mind. Um, yeah, uh, no, absolutely. And so it's, it's just acknowledging that that stuff does exist and that it's not, and like kind of as a show was saying, it's not bad or wrong necessarily. I will completely agree that everything that we're talking about is can can increase the impact, increase the value of the work that we're making. So I'm not I I'm not arguing against that in any way. 
Mm-hmm. Um, You're just, just saying like- there's work out there that doesn't care about theme and it's still valid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that like, and that to a listener who's listening to this, that they're like, that they're not hearing that that work is invalid because of what we've been talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our goal here is just to strengthen stories. You know, it's not here to shut down other stories. It's to like, if you've got a first draft of a comic done, awesome. It's, you've got a beginning, a middle and an end. Awesome. You're thinking maybe it lacks a little bit of juice you start doing some reading about how to make a story that's structured a little more closely. You're having trouble writing characters. You're having trouble with your setting. You're having trouble with your ending. The idea is where do we go? What tools are at our disposal to make these things stronger? And that's kind of where I want to take us now uh, a little more directly. So (laughs) I'm not going to dare say, yeah, (laughs) earlier, (laughs) I think about 14 minutes ago, I said, so we all agree that uh, theme is important. And then all of a sudden, uh, we oh, in this. <laughs> I am but so I think sorry. we, I think no, no, we no. all agree, right? Yeah, we do. Important? We yeah, do. we agree. Yes, yes we do. Okay. <laughs> all right. Theme yeah, is you important. Can, you can chop out that whole cul de sac. <laughs> oh, I'm leaving it in. No, it's going to stay in. You drove us around. <laughs> no, that was important stuff. <laughs> so my question is, uh, and, and the thing we want to explore is, so we have, we, we believe that a theme is a thing. We believe, let's say crime doesn't pay is a thing we believe in, in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does knowing this theme help with characters in a story? Um, so I think for the most basic, I would say that if you have a character, or no, you have a story and you have a theme and it's crime doesn't pay, uh, you can use each character that lives in that story world to reinforce this theme by presenting a different side of the argument. Mm-hmm. Interesting mm-hmm. phrasing considering, uh, Jason, what you were calling theme, which was a dramatic argument. So for example, um, let's say my, my theme, like I said, is crime doesn't pay. So what kind of characters live in a world where crime doesn't pay? Maybe I want a good cop and he succeeds. And then I have a bad cop and he uh, doesn't succeed. And then maybe you have a criminal who's really wealthy and he's an Al Capone type, but then by the end of, you know, and then you have another criminal who's in jail and then you have another criminal who has a conscience and maybe he's going to become a stoolie and he's going to, he's going to rat out his gangster friends. This is definitely like a 1930s. Yeah. 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 Kind of story. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have uh, the families of some of the gangsters and you have the families of some of the police officers that you have, Mm -hmm. Each of these, this is an already starting to become a very full story and a very, uh, a busy one. But I think the key to to whittle it down is to make sure that each of these individuals that lives in this world is there to prove your theme. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe in that act is a guy. Yeah. So let's run with that idea. Does that kind of work? I would, I would, I would think so. And, and, and I might say something that might even have to be another whole other episode about, but, um, (laughs) so a theme is like where I'm coming from theme, like the stories are mostly, if not all of them are about one character. Ooh, very controversial. But what about this show? (laughs) But what about that? Let's put that off to the side for now and say, yes, that (laughs) story is about one character. Okay. So, and I think that sort of helps things a little. So let's say if your theme is indeed crime doesn't pay. Well, you know that you need a character that needs to learn that. So, you need to have a character that needs to learn that crime doesn't pay. 
So maybe it would have to be your protagonist might be someone who is a criminal, someone who, um, someone who has gotten away with things up to a certain point, and they're really confident in their their uh, idea of the opposite that crime does pay. And so, mm-hmm. right? You already know that you need a character where they probably have to believe that crime does pay in order to make that significant change and argument in the story that crime does not pay. Right. So it's, um, that's a, that's a good example of sort of how theme can automatically inform what you need as opposed to what you could have. The question becomes, what should you have? What characters should you have to tell the story? Mm-hmm. So it narrows things down. It, 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 it makes a target. You hit that target that much closer. Right. right. And I think each of those, the idea that each of those characters can be someone who believes something different about the theme mm-hmm, is really because powerful. They're like personifications of the argument. Exactly. And then it's something that um, I've been learning. <laughs> Brian McDonald calls them uh, clone, clone characters. And, and what clone, clone characters are to him is that the characters that do appear in the story besides the protagonist should illuminate something about the protagonist. It should illuminate something. So it could, Mm. it could be about the character, the character's sameness or the difference that they have. Right. And that sort of um, gives other characters a purpose in the narrative. Right. That's, I like that. That's interesting. This, this Brian McDonald guy, he knows, uh, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> he knows a thing or two. <laughs> he's been around for a while. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I noticed there was a, a comic that I've been working on for a while. It's a graphic novel. And um, it's just chock full of characters because I really wanted to explore the world that everybody was living in. Um, and I had a, a father and a son character duo and the father was going to hand down the business to his son and he was very much pressuring his son to take it over and the son felt pressure to achieve perfection and be a good successor to his father on the other side of the city i also had uh, a father and son who were going through a tumultuous relationship where the son was about to abandon all of his father's teachings and go off on his own so these are both i thought very strong dramatic uh representations of what was going on in the world and then I realized that both of these situations uh, were the same kind of problem. And I could, in fact, take this idea of perfection and succession uh, and lump that in as the main cause for the split between the husband, or sorry, between the father and the son. So what I did is I collapsed those four characters into the two characters because I realized I was just repeating myself. And the two mm-hmm. of them did a fine job of exploring the theme on their own. So I think that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of a, an app, a, a, a way you can apply that process uh, to simplify the story, to get rid of characters you don't need, maybe invent a character that you do need. Like, wow, nobody's really challenging. Like if you do a story where every single thing falls in line with crime doesn't pay, but then a character shows up who maybe is a successful gangster who did get away with it. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that, what does that do to your character? Mm-hmm. What does like that what, do? What does it do to your personal feeling? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, that's good because you get a different, you get a glimpse into what the character, the protagonist, could be, and you get to see sort of, oh, are there positive effects? Are there negative effects? What are those? You know, it's sort of a chance to see a dry run 
of who that character could be mm-hmm. and where they might end up. So, you know, I think that's definitely important. It's kind of sort of what we do in real life, you know, um, in our own daily lives. If it's like you're working for a company, you're excited to start in this new company, you're meeting new people, but then you see this one guy who's sort of in the corner, you know, working and he's been in the company for years and years and years a part of you might kind of go and look at that person and go, Oh gosh, he looks kind of worn out and miserable. Gosh, that could be me. That could be me in 10 years. That could be me in 30 years. You know, you start to like, you start to make these connections in your own own life about people you meet and the interactions you have and sort of how you relate to how, how they relate to you and, and what, what they might offer you in terms of your own story, your own mm-hmm it'll help you inform sort of who you are as well. Cause you're the protagonist in your own story. Right. Right. In your own life. Um, so that, you know, that makes complete sense to have characters that illuminate something or can give us an idea about what the character might be like. Yeah. If he's not too careful. Um, going back to Jason's, your, uh, you're not your idea, but what you were talking about with the idea of the theme being more of a dramatic question, would you be, would you think it was a, be a cool idea if let's say you have a dramatic question, like, fuck, I don't know, what is the meaning of life? But every single one of your characters would be a personification of a different answer to that same question. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Either a different answer or, or a different challenge, you know? Um, right. Um, because our, I mean, our, from what we've been talking about, like, uh, you know, what is the meaning of life? Isn't, isn't maybe a theme. Um, well, no, because, because you said dramatic, right. Okay. I said dramatic question. Yeah. So if you're mostly creating a story, that's a question to be explored. Would it suffice to say that you could explore that by making every one of your characters an answer to that question? Uh, I mean, like, again, I think I, um, where I'm, where I'm kind of pushing back there and I sorry, I feel like I'm weirdly argumentative today. (laughs) That's why you're on the podcast, buddy. You're always devil's advocate. (laughs) (laughs) Fair point. Fair point. Um, uh, that like, it's, I think the, the, to say dramatic argument is more useful for me in terms of how I approach this than dramatic question. Um, because the dramatic argument has a it has a uh, like a, a framework to it. You are trying to argue a point. You're trying to engage with a question more than simply ask it. You are you're in the process of answering it, and so um, go, So like I think yes, characters are necessary frameworks to that, um, and and like to show's point, like I think having a having a protagonist who's clearly exploring that question or living that question or that argument um, through their interactions with those other characters. And then like the, you're choosing the characters in the situations uh, as ways to further deepen the, 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 the intensity or the, or the exploration of the question, you know, rather than making it a very light and simple question that has a clear answer to it. You, you're, the characters are there to complexify and problemify the situation enough that it's that the character cannot have a simple, easy 
way through to the to the answer of the question. Like they mm -hmm. they're there to challenge that, um, right. which is I guess maybe why I'm responding against them those questions those characters being specifically answers. I think a character that that feels like they have an answer to the question operates as a challenge to the character. But I think there's other other ways that characters can can be used that provide that challenge without the challenge also feeling like an answer to the question, you know? Um, because some of you, some of your characters may be, uh, may be presenting an obstacle to the question being answered. Mm -hmm. Um, if that makes sense, like rather yeah. than representing an answer. Yeah. Um, yeah, that does make sense. Um, and, and, and I think it's something that, um, because what we're all talking about here is something that is not like it shouldn't be obvious to the audience what no. these things are you know what i mean right yeah. like it's, it's so it shouldn't be obvious that like this character in contrast to the protagonist is clearly you know is clearly the what could be of this pro protagonist right like they shouldn't be aware of it um in a in a in an obvious way but they are aware of it in a, in a sort of unconscious way. Um, and I think that's sort of where, you know, if you write it in a way that feels organic, you could still do all these things, still have these sort of specific, I suppose, purposes for each character, um, but they feel like, like it's not obvious. It's yeah. not like, it's not like yeah. obvious dialogue, like, you know, like Quentin Tarantino's amazing intelligent dialogue everybody notices that everybody is aware of that you know and that's mm -hmm. sort of like we're talking about stuff that's like beneath that stuff sort of this you know below the subtext surface. yeah subtext like, right because nobody walks into a room and goes hey everybody i'm nick johnson i believe the crime doesn't pay prove me wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god that, gosh, that is that the most aggravating yeah. thing in all narratives when people walk in say how they're feeling why they're feeling that way and what they need <laughs> it's like what's yeah. the point of having any dialogue <laughs> yeah exactly you know, Hello. Something, yeah. something that occurred to me when you said unconscious show was uh um uh, as it will be no surprise to people who listen to this a lot as we continue to make more episodes is uh that i'm going to reference probably carl jung and joseph campbell that Woo! <laughs> Is that I think the way, and it connects to what I was what I was saying there about um, characters as more as as challenges to the to the character in answering that dramatic question than they are specifically representing other answers. Is that that in that mythological sense, in a way, those characters and situations you're putting in front of your character uh, are. Or, or putting in front of a character or the character or a group of characters that are exemplifying your, your argument um, are, are challenges to the answer or, or um, uh, like <laughs> devil's advocate questions that keep getting raised in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that, that the process of, of engaging with those challenges are what moves the character and the, 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 the the person consuming the story through that question and through that theme mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what gives you a story, right? Exactly. I mean, if, yeah, if exactly. everybody gets along and just does their thing, it's not a story. Mm-hmm. But the story comes from all of these different perspectives joining, and a character who's yeah. just going along their straight path suddenly meets that obstacle or meets that challenge mm-hmm. and has to change and adapt in order to reach the end of that particular journey, right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, the clone characters or contrast characters or whatever, they themselves become the obstacle, they become mm-hmm. the conflict. It's not just illuminating something about the character but becoming the thing that stops them from getting to that answer as well Mm. right i think um a a really cool like off the cuff example of something most of us understand that uses pretty good theme for characters is x-men um so you get characters like professor x who uh i mean what he wants is for mutants to be to, to live a peaceful life on earth. And the way he goes about it is he believes that it has to be done through cooperation and collaboration with humans. And then you get Magneto who does want peace on earth for mutants, but he believes that the way to get it is by sub, um, totally uh, dominating humanity and making them subjective to him. And then you get other mutants who want absolutely nothing to do with this fight. And because they look pretty much human and nobody can see what their powers are, they can pass and they kind of just let it all slide by. Mm-hmm. So I think the majority of characters in X-Men all kind of fall within these three realms. And because they are all having these different views that kind of uh, are all related to the theme, it does like in invest that story with some good um, thematic material and some conflict, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to another point. So we know that char- we've kind of talked about how characters, uh, how can a theme uh help us to create a setting when it comes down to it at its simplest uh the world that you designed for your characters should reinforce the theme in some way so if we're going to go back to my 1930s gangster style story if your character firmly believes that crime doesn't pay we need to create a world that challenges this belief or that uh it creates a a giant obstacle for him to overcome. So for a character who believes that crime doesn't pay, the most interesting place that you can put him is in a world that is rife with crime, but it also appears to be opulent and successful. Uh, We're talking like a New York City that is brimming with uh, mad cash and rich people. Uh, And this cop who comes onto the scene or this detective is like, oh, I always believe the crime doesn't pay, but here I am showing this corrupt city uh, doing really well. So this setting now is the huge challenge for our character to overcome. How does that sound? Does that sound like an interesting way to approach setting with a theme in mind? Completely. Um, I think uh, like this kind of actually goes back to something that Craig Mason was talking about is that um, your your setting and I mean arguably even your characters are part of creating uh, dramatic irony around your dramatic argument. It's a way to set up the intensity of the question, you know, or the or this the the uh, like it's so um, one thing that like what he uses is he uses Finding Nemo as an example of like a way of walking through the dramatic argument and um i'm just gonna find it here uh that like um in terms of the sort of the setting of finding nemo is not just enough for like if 
if you're trying to indicate that, say, the theme of Finding Nemo is no matter how much you love somebody, sometimes you have to set them free, it's not enough to just have Nemo's wife have died. It's not enough just to have one child left. But the fact that his wife and all of his kill children, except for the one with a, with a bad flipper. Mm -hmm. So that increases, that, that's the dramatic irony to, to enforce your dramatic question. And that's, arguably that's a character thing, but it's also like, it's also about the setting, the world you put, you put Nemo in. Like there's a, they're, they're, they're in this ocean, they're in a relatively safe part of it, but not far away is a much more dangerous part of the ocean. Um, right. So if the greatest like, thing that he fears is his son getting lost, you put him in the middle of the ocean where he doesn't know where he is. Exactly. He has no bearings. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Essentially like putting your that, character. But, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to say not only that, but like, but that he's essentially initially proven right. You know, like his son swims away, gets caught by that net, is like taken thousands of miles away. Like, uh, that, that like, you're like, wow, he was, in, he was entirely correct. He should have made sure that Nemo never left his sight, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that, and that, that's why the impact of, of um, Marlon's lesson is so much more, use, more impactful later on because he's had to go through essentially being proven right as a way of getting to understand how he could have been wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's that dramatic irony. That's that like seeing the, the reverse side of it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's essentially just having the, the character the last place they want to be in the absolute last place they want to be in. And the large open waters of the ocean is, yeah, that's a perfect, perfect setting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. For finding Nemo. Yeah. So, I wanted to create a story. This is going back to that same graphic novel that I was talking about earlier with the husband, or Jesus, with the father and the son. Basically, we live in a world where there's people on the inside of the city who are all following the rules, and then you have these misfits who live on the outside of the city. And I was trying to find a way to visually show how rejected these people on the outside are and how they're tempted to follow the rules again because... Um, then their life can go back to normal. Uh, so what I've done with the setting of that place is the city in the center is well-kept and it sort of looks like an old school 18th century uh, village in the way that it's very cozy and it's very warm. But then our misfits who get kicked out uh, in this story, they all live on the edges of this city, uh, which are in a complete state of disrepair and they live in these horrible, horrible ruins that are dangerous. Uh, they can barely breathe in some of the buildings. And so what that's done is created a very visual world where there are those who live in a warm, safe community and those on the fringes who are constantly surrounded by decay um, and ruins. And mm -hmm. that visual uh, kind of oppression it, to sort of becomes, it leads them to believe that on, in this world, they are incapable of love, that they are, uh, trash that they don't belong in the center with everybody else. So that's a way that I was trying to find some way to create a setting that reinforces where our, you know, the, the, the shit that our characters are going through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on from setting. Let's talk about the ending, which some people might say is the hardest thing 
for a creator to nail down. Um, and I have a great example of this. Um, I had a friend who was working on a comic series. It was his first big graphic novel. And he was asking me, or he was saying he wasn't really sure what he was going to do for the ending. And he had the most outrageous, he was approaching a lot of people for help with this because he had people suggesting time travel endings, uh, worldwide cataclysm endings, <laughs> twist endings, all of these things. And I made a few jokes myself about like all sorts of crazy shit that could go down and little twists. And in the end I said, okay, well, which one are you going to choose? He says, I have no idea. They're all hilarious or they're all fun. And I said, well, what is your story about? And he did not have an answer for me. Ooh, now well, the thing is, <laughs> okay, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, if you had, don't know what your story is about, or really what you're trying to say with your story, you're not going to be able to find an ending easily because I really do believe that your ending is going to be your message. If your hero succeeds, that means his behavior and his actions is the theme. If your hero fails, it's because at the end of, if your hero fails at the end of the story, it's because you believe that his behavior was, was wrong. It was the wrong way of going about things. So, mm. Is uh, would you say that this is a pretty accurate yeah. assessment? I, th I, for me anyway, I think so personally. Um, I, I mean, it's, I'm going to quote Billy Wilder. You know, if there's a problem with the third act, it's usually because of <laughs> there's a problem in the first act. Hmm. Um, and, and I think that's I think that's true. I think um, well, I, you know, I've I find everything about story difficult. <laughs> <laughs> there's no easy part you know, there's 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 really no easy part but yeah definitely the ending um, I, I think it's definitely it's got to be tied to the first act in some form or fashion and i think that does suggest that you must know what you what you're saying and and to not know the ending is very much evidence to me that you don't know what you're saying or, or what you're trying to say or it hasn't come to you yet Mm -hmm. um, and that could be a really tough way to work. That's a really tough way to work. And um, yeah, sometimes it's really hard to avoid as well. Yeah. Well, sometimes your enthusiasm to write the story takes you over and you just jump into the thing. Right. And, and I would never slow that down or be like, yo, if the strike while the iron is hot, start writing your story. But there's a really great, um, uh, this is a really great quote from an author, K.M. Wayland. She says, your theme is the lighthouse in your story's sea. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like having an idea of what that story is about is going to guide you to the ending that just feels right, that, yeah. that makes sense for this world that you've created. And if you're lost or you've got writer's block, you just go back to that like, yo, what is this about? Oh, yeah. It's about, man, crime doesn't pay was the worst example. It's so lame, but it's so simple. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, that's, I would argue that actually, but not too long, but they, and any, any theme is, is, is viable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, yeah, it's not yeah. lame. It's if not I had lame. to use my own personal experience, cause you know, I grew up rough in the, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's very personal, you know, yeah. I, yeah. I dabbled yeah. in organized crime and I know, for example, that, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but no, yeah, right, anyways. right. What you know. Really? Yeah, yeah right. What you know, exactly. <laughs> you know, but like you know, it's 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 easy to get hung up also on just like oh, but this has already been said and done. This theme's already been said and done. Well, we as humans have to have stories repeated to us over and over again because we need to keep learning the same lessons. 
That's why, you know, crime doesn't pay. That's probably a lesson that we continually need to learn, but it can be yeah. told in different ways, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, getting back to getting back to uh, ending, um, uh, I think the theme definitely informs, helps inform what the ending will be. Uh, um, Brian uses another analogy here, where it's sort of like the lighthouse thing, but like a like a necklace, or you know, you have the necklace and you have the pearls that make the necklace, let's say. But the the theme is the string that holds the necklace together from end to end. If you don't have a theme. You just have pearls, and and it doesn't really make it doesn't make a necklace. Mm -hmm. You know the theme is the string, that's the foundation. It's the armature. It's the string. It's the thing that holds everything together. It's the thing that makes all of the pearls have a place, and why they're there. It informs everything, right? And and it's it's true of the ending as well. I believe, mm -hmm. you know, and and the ending should be in some ways the ending might be obvious and i think people need to be okay with that there's so much emphasis on oh should should it be a twist ending there's got to be a twist ending there's got to be a surprise there's got to be a you know and i don't i don't those are gimmicks to me you know those are if that does not serve your story then you shouldn't have it in there mm -hmm. if it's an obvious ending that's okay too if it makes sense to the story you're you know to the message, have it in there. Don't just put shock value in there just because it'll it'll be entertaining, you know. Right. It's it's got to have a purpose. Um, You've uh, when you're using the term obvious ending, I think I've heard it uh, referred to sometimes as the inevitable ending, and I really like that terminology because it suggests that even the audience sort of knows where the story has to go just mm -hmm. based on the story you've been telling and the themes that you've injected into the work. And it's if you come to an ending and it, yeah, it's like, Oh, it's a good ending. The heroes uh, wins and the villain loses. Um, that's all well and good if it was inevitable. And that's the story that you've been building up. But if you have a story where the ending just comes out of left field and it has nothing to do with the characters or the theme that you had set up at the beginning, that's an ending that may not be obvious, but it also, it wasn't earned, you know, didn't feel mm -hmm. like this was where we were meant to go. Well, it feels misplaced, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and 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 you know, just going back to sort of like the 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 logical ending or obvious ending or whatever, it's the payoff may not necessarily be in the plot, but mm -hmm. it's in the emotional truth of the story you're trying to tell. That's the or, foundation, or even like the emotional truth or the the natural extremity of where this story can take that dramatic argument. Like mm. this story with these characters cannot go any further on this, on 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 this uh, uh, question. You know, like right. that, you know, the character is has like you know uh, either either like fully processed something in a very clear way, or or um, or hasn't like is like left adrift, and you know, and and like because I think this is the, the other important thing is that what the character learns or doesn't learn or what have you doesn't always correspond to what the audience will take with them. Oh, um, totally. That like, I mean, like uh, Mackers is a great example. You know, you have this like Scottish uh, warrior. I'm, I'm being slightly theatrically uh, um, superstitious here by not saying Macbeth. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't think that you, rule applies to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
but like uh you know th this is a character who i think you could argue um is ignorant of the theme of his own story you know um but that doesn't lessen uh, the impact of that theme on the audience um is that tragedy uh, right there tragedy is generally like the character doesn't understand the theme of his own story could be yeah, yeah. could be um yeah, yeah, I would say that's that's definitely like I would I'd say that's definitely one of the things that makes tragedy work, is that it's that protagonist having having a sense of ignorance around their 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 place in some way, you know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that was the that was the first example that jumped to my mind as well. I was like, oh, like Macbeth, and then you said, what did you say, Mac Mac and Rock? Mackers. Oh, Mackers, and then I was like, oh, Mackers. I don't know that one. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just pretended I knew what that was. Oh, yeah, yes, no, I, mm. yes. yes, of course. Mm. No, the, the it's a it's a whole thing in the in the to anybody listening who doesn't know what I'm talking about is that in the in the theater industry you will just avoid saying Macbeth when in a theater. It's like uh -huh. just a bit of superstition um, that has now turned into my brain avoiding the name at all costs. Interesting. Right. Exactly. Interesting. I like that. Um, but. Uh, uh, where, where, where was I kind of going there? Um, yeah, like uh, um, it. I think yeah, it does help. It does help find the ending because I think like if you're if you're figuring out your ending or if you feel like you're getting close on your ending, it goes. You're going back to that theme or dramatic question and saying, "Are there any elements of this question that I have not yet left answered? You know, mm -hmm. or that I have not explored." You know, because I think that's the other thing. Like we talk about fridge logic in in, in storytelling, where you know you're um, it's the it's the question you have about the story when you're you know like opening the fridge later on that night to get a glass a glass of water or something. And you're like, hey, why did they do that? That's that's a a moment where your story didn't uh, didn't answer a question the audience had. You know, right? Um, and and I think specifically around the dramatic questions like why why did the story do that or why didn't the story address that mm -hmm. is th those are that's the kind of the those are the questions i ask myself when i'm further along in the process is like what's what's still left on the table that that the audience would be like um you haven't talked about this yet right mm. very cool well um the thing I want to move on from here is, is this idea of like a theme satisfying the reader. So whether a reader is looking for a theme, like if they're like us and they're like, what's the theme of this story? I can't enjoy it unless there's a theme. Or I'd I'm be that. surprised <laughs> if they were that. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, let's say that, yeah, the reader isn't really aware of it or looking for it, or a reader is, do you think, uh, I mean, my belief is that whether they are looking for it or not, they're going to feel more satisfied even unconsciously, subconsciously, they are going to know that there was a solid through line and they're going to sense it and they're going to appreciate it, um, whether they're into it or not. And do you think that's something people pick up on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's something people pick up on a sort of in a, in a, in an, on an, emo, an emotional level. Um, it's not something that they can necessarily, they might not be able to, to, to verbalize it um, right away, but they know mm -hmm. it. It's sort of instinctive. Right. You know, um, like, you know, at the end of Wizard of Oz, you just get a sense that, yeah, this 
makes sense. There was sort of a satisfaction in all of this. All the characters, you know, Dorothy went through what she needed to go through, you know, got the sense that the message was understood. But you, it, but you, you can't like, it's hard to like verbalize it. You don't, you know it and you don't know it at the same time. It's just sort of innate um, if it's there, if it's, in the, if it's in the subtext. If it's not, then yeah, you just come out of it going, well, that was kind of interesting. What the heck was that all about? Right. I think uh, there's something interesting there too, because I think we can also detect when, like, I don't know if it, uh, like, I, I think I agree. It does, it does uh, satisfy the reader when they feel like there is a, uh, a conclusion to that. I keep using the phrase dramatic argument. Um, I think there it also sometimes a, uh, the, the reader or audience can be dissatisfied and not know why. If the, if there is a problem or a, a lack of theme, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that they can add, like when they when they feel like like I you know this story felt like well I mean one thing that I've been talking a lot about uh, has been like the J J Abrams like Star Wars movies and Star Trek movies mm-hmm. that felt mm-hmm. like in many ways th- they didn't have a theme so much as they had an intent to remind me of other movies. Oh my gosh. Don't get me started. Don't get me yeah. started on yeah. Star Wars and JJ. Oh my gosh! Anyway, next episode. Yeah. Next episode. <laughs> well, now like, I, I'm to 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 devil's advocate. My devil's advocate. Like honestly, I think like JJ Abrams is is clearly a very successful uh, um, storyteller and has like and a lot of people really enjoy his work. But I think why it often seems divisive among among the fans is that a segment of fans can smell the lack of theme mm-hmm. and, and are waiting, like, you know, they're frustrated by that and then yeah. sometimes don't know how to express it any other way than... Rage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, and that's why I would, I would say, you'd sort of describe J.J. Abrams as successful. But storyteller? Mm, I'll just say he's <laughs> successful. He's a very <laughs> successful Ooh. person. Show throwing shade. Yeah, so I mean, let I've, that be a let that be a note to the rest of you people. If show has ever called you successful, you've been burned. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> uh, I've been following JJ's work and it's been one disappointment after another. Aww. That's all I gotta say. Cold. How about that? Cold hot truth here, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I do not even dare to talk about it because then I will go talk and talk and talk and talk. Um, yeah. I will say like uh, to go to another Star Wars movie, uh, I watched Rogue One and I left that movie going, I, why isn't this my favorite movie? Because I've wanted a movie with this kind of feel, especially from the Star Wars universe for so long. But I found that the movie just kept yelling the word hope at me mm-hmm. uh, as if it was the theme, hope, hope, hope. Uh, and Sorry. then as I was, what? Which Star Wars? Uh, Rogue One. Oh, Rogue One, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's about war and it's very much about like self-sacrifice and the crazy fucked up shit that we do in war to the point where like, are you, am I even fighting for the right side? Um, all these really interesting questions, but they kept saying hope. It's about hope. But if you look at the character's actions and the struggles that every character is going through, it's more about trying to make amends for what you've done. And you get characters like the one played by Diego Luna, I think, who's a rebel, but he's like murdering people and he's shifty and he's kind of this pirate. And he's like, what have I done? Like, I'm just as bad as the Empire. So it's, it's very much a redemption arc and very much about, you know, the horrible things that they do uh, in the name of quote unquote good. But then they keep yelling hope at me. So there was this 
conflict of themes where I felt like the action and the plot and the characters were telling me one theme, whereas the dialogue was trying to overcompensate by yelling another theme at me so that it tied into A New Hope better. Um, and I think my first time watching it, I was really frustrated my second time watching it because it's a beautiful looking movie. Um, mm -hmm. As when I caught on, ah, there you go. That's what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would agree with that, yeah. Well, cool. So we talked about this a bit at the beginning. We're kind of wrapping it up here. If we're worried that uh, having a theme is going to come off as preachy, uh, that like if you have a message, it's going to be like slapping the audience in the face with a cold fish. Uh, the key way to get <laughs> the key way to get around that is to build the theme into your characters, into your setting, and into your ending. So you don't need to do something like. Wonder Woman, which is a really thrilling and really great movie, but right at the end as she's looking at this photograph, she's like, every man must make a choice and he has good in him and evil in him. But when it comes down to it, only love will prevail. She literally says that out loud at the end of the movie. And I remember in the audience at the theater, I leaned over to Natasha and I was like, do you know what the theme of this movie is? <laughs> because it literally was like, all of that was in the movie. I was on board. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, they just needed to like pull that fish out of the cooler. Oh yeah, it's still nice and frozen. And then just slug me right in the jaw oh, with it. So like, you guys, I got yeah. it, I'm okay. So yeah. our goal is, is to create stories with a great theme that you don't have to slap someone in the face with. Yeah. It's, right? It's gotta be, <laughs> it's gotta be invisible visually. Uh, in a way, but like mm -hmm. obvious emotionally. Your invisible right. theme fish. Your invisible, invisible theme fish. <laughs> invisible theme fish. <laughs> yeah. Swimming its way through your story. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I like that. Um, and I mean, like, just going back to the process stuff we were talking about earlier, like, I've, I've many uh, things that I've finished without ever considering themes, especially some of my earlier work. But I found looking at it in retrospect that unknowingly I had put a theme in there. Mm -hmm. It's like the very first thing I ever wrote and finished called The Art of Dodging Shadows. You know, I was, I was young enough that I was just making a punk comic that I, you know, and I liked guns and I liked punk rock and I liked people jumping and shooting and barfing. Um, but when I read the, the book, when it's done, I was like, oh, this is about um, leaving, like, leaving home and finding your own set of values and trying to leave uh, that behind, to become your own man, your own person, make your own choices. And I never intended that to be the theme, but it was in there. And so when I'm talking about theme with people and, and using it in their stories, I'm not saying it's necessarily something that has to stop you from working or that has to... Uh, to make you feel bad for not thinking about it. I'm just saying there's probably going to be a theme in your work, whether you want it or not. Our goal is to have intent. So if you're going to have a theme, approach it with some intent, with some consideration. And my hope and my belief is that it'll make that story that much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because as you pointed out, it's, it's already natural to us. Mm -hmm. So all we're doing is trying to understand what that is it's just it's just bringing to light something that we all sort of innately do already and sometimes we just forget that right it's easy to get lost in 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 the details but at the end of the day you innately know that your story has some kind of a, a theme a message you know 
whether you know it or not. So why not just know that you will have a theme and a message instead? Right. right. And I, I mean, suppose. I've written a whole, I've written a whole graphic novel with a theme that I realized at the end was wrong and mm. didn't work. So I, on my second draft, I tweaked my theme and I was like, ah, this is what the story is about. And now it feels good. Now it's got emotion. So mm-hmm. be flexible enough to want to change that theme in your second draft. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. 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 Well, and, and, and see the, the whole process of creating your work as a generative process rather than a deconstructive one. This is, again, I'm stealing from Greg Mason on, uh, on his podcast uh, on Script Notes, is that um, uh, I think it's episode 403, just any, if anybody's wanting to go back and actually find it. Um, but um, uh, that, that like if, if you have an idea of a scene and you just want to dive right into like writing a scene because you've already got, like it's, it's almost um, appeared full force in your mind without any previous like outlining or planning, like run with that. Um, understand that the theme is something that you can discover or find or enhance as you go. Um, or that you may even discover by your end um, and then can like as, as Nick was saying before there go back and find out more ways to add that theme even deeper into the story but that like um, that uh, yeah to not let to not let the question of theme be the be the first and only question uh, to, to start you off with mm-hmm. yeah I would agree with that too, because theme can come from anywhere. It can come from any inspiration. You can be inspired from a, a picture to a composition, to a scene, to a moment in your life, to a drawing, you know, and um, yeah, theme can, can come from anywhere. Maybe and from life. I'm just thinking, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about now is that like the theme is also the dramatic question that the creator is having with the work. For sure. You know, the, 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 the sort of personal grappling. Nick knows about a story that I've been working on for probably about a year now, but I just kind of keep grappling with because I'm having a hard time with the theme and how I write it and the way the the the, the world works and um and that like allowing. In fact, maybe even this conversation is going to help me attack it even more now uh, or attack it better rather um, because I've got. Uh, uh, greater confidence in my own lack of knowing all the answers <laughs> and my ability to help me discover the theme rather than rather than have it all like fully formed before I start out. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, think about all that you'll learn by writing that first draft. Just write the first mm-hmm. draft as it is now. Yeah. And then be like, once you see it on paper, you can be like, ah, oh, there's mm-hmm. stuff here I wasn't even aware of. There's exactly. Yeah. Because I've heard an expression that the first draft is essentially you telling yourself that story first. Mm -hmm. And then the second draft is making the story for, for everyone else, you know? So it's, it's, you've got to tell yourself the story first. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. Well, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and just take this moment to wrap up this discussion about theme. As you can tell, there's like so much that we can talk about and uh, I'll let you know when that's going to be uh, popping up and what we'll be discussing then. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, we're hitting the pencil town spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it.
Welcome to the Pennsylvania Spotlight, where we will be making recommendations uh, for people to check out uh, that we think are in line with uh, some of our storytelling values here. Uh, I'm going to recommend a comic. Generally, when people say, hey, I'm just starting to read comics, Nick, do you have any recommendations? The book that I always recommend for people is Three Shadows by Cyril Pedrosa. Uh, Cyril Pedrosa was a Disney animator. I think he worked on uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, the book was published by First Second in 2008, and it is one of the most beautiful, heart-wrenching comics that I have ever read. Uh, it tells the story of a small family, a father, a mother, and a son, and they just live this idyllic little life in a cabin in the woods, and one day three shadows, three mysterious figures on horseback show up, and they are determined to take the sun away no matter what happens. And so over the course of the graphic novel, the uh, father does everything he can to save his son from these three shadows. And I'm not actually gonna share what the theme is of the book. It's a very powerful one. Um, and I would like you to discover it for yourself and uh, bring a box of tissues because <laughs> it's, uh, it's an intense one. But Three Shadows by Cyril Pedrosa is my recommendation for today. Uh, show, would you like to share your uh, Penciltown Spotlight feature? Yeah, sure. Um, so this one's going to be a, uh, a book, uh, a story from Brian McDonald. Um, no surprise there. Uh, <laughs> and this is a, a new book of his actually that came out on 20, in 2019 um, from First Second called um, Old Souls. And it's got wonderful, beautiful art by Les McLean. And this actually was a story that he had written as a screenplay titled Grave Robbers in 2005. And, um, and he was inspired to write this story. He changed the, the title to Old Souls. Um, he was inspired to, to write the story because of um, a friend of his, um, uh, Scott had died in 2003. And he was sort of, sort of witnessing Scott's father um, and sort of the grief that he was carrying for his son's, uh, his son's death and how much that affected him. And so this, this book is kind of, it's kind of a tribute or in, in, in honor of that kind of grief that people experience, particularly about a father who lost their son. I mean, it's a kind of grief that um, is just unimaginable. It's, it's, it's something that we hopefully don't ever have to understand. Um, but this book, um, it, it delves into that. Um, not, not specifically what happened, but it's about a story that dives into the feelings of that kind of grief. And um, yeah, this is, it's, it's a wonderful book. It's also a bit of a tearjerker, but it's also, it's, it's, it's got everything that sort of <laughs> we've been talking about so far in this podcast. And um, it's, it's just, it's a great book. Um, and there's a lot of history behind this story for him. It was a, it was a story that he could not get published right away, even though he's he's tried, and he's tried to have it sort of come out as a as a as a as a movie um, for several years. And he even won an award. He won the Austin Screenplay Competition Award for um, this screenplay, Old Souls. Um, but after that, for whatever reason, it never got picked up by other studios, but luckily, um, luckily he, he found life for the story in, in, in book form, in graphic novel form, uh, thanks to First Second. 
So I, I definitely recommend Old Souls. It's it's available on Amazon and any available bookstore, I would imagine. Chapters in the go. Um, so definitely pick it up. I would highly recommend it. That's awesome. I feel, I feel like the alternate title for that book is uh, Brian McDonald puts his money where his mouth is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that's like, all right, fun- story guy, show me what you got. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's funny because like he's he's a teacher and he's a practitioner, but he's he's actually kind of annoyed that he's known more as a teacher than than a writer because he's a storyteller first and foremost, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, he just happens to teach this stuff because people are like, hey, you really know what you're talking about, you know? And right. it's like, duh. <laughs> He's been studying it for years. He's been writing for years. And it's just for, for whatever reason, he's been, it's been a struggle for him to get his work out there. And um, I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole other topic in general um, that uh, I don't want to dig into too much, but um, yeah, it's been a struggle for him. So this is a huge success for him. That's awesome. That's great. Awesome. Jason, what would you like to talk about today? Um, so I'm going to talk actually about a, a series of novellas that I've been reading as a, um, honestly, as a bit of an escape uh, through, I've been really busy with work lately, and so I've been looking for something a little lighter. Um, but I have found something, I, I have found real interest or real real interest in grappling here is that it's a series called The Murderbot Diaries. Um, and it's a series of books by Martha Wells, uh, uh, some novellas, and then I think a novel has just been published, and then there's another novel coming up, I think. Um, the, the main premise is that there's a... Um, uh, a robot that has gained its own uh, artificial intelligence and has like hacked the, the the part of it that can allow other people to control it. And now normally this would be where the robot would either want to discover what being human is or it would want to kill everybody. But all this robot really wants to do is watch Netflix. <laughs> and what makes it so charming is that it's actually like in that respect, I think a very its its theme perhaps would be this uh, this exploration between um, living in the world and participating in it versus wanting to just simply escape from it, which is interesting because I've been using it for escape. Um, That's great. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's told with a very sort of tongue in cheek tone from the perspective of the robot. Um, uh, it doesn't get too deeply into some of the bigger sort of sci fi questions. It just sort of leaves those as as uh, uh, as things either not to be explored or, or addressed later. But um, yeah, they've been, they've been really fun, uh, very consumable. Like each one's about 90 pages. So I'm, I'm uh, just starting the third one now. And uh, yeah, it's been, th- 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 those have been really, really enjoyable and fun, you know, I mean, and also again, relatable, like I don't want to do, I don't want to work. I just want to watch more of uh, whatever it is on Netflix. And so instead I, I, uh, I sympathize with this murder bot. <laughs> that's a quote robot. i'm going to take out of context as much as possible jason said he sympathizes with murder bots <laughs> it explains <Awesome>. so much <laughs> oh, dear. excellent well that's going to bring us to the end of our show today thank you so much uh lovely listeners for joining us uh before we go we're going to share our social media deeds something we did not even bother to do on our introductory episode uh show where can people find you online well, it's a very long list. It's showyouhard.com. Ooh, direct <laughs> to the point. And uh, all my, of your Twitter yeah, and Instagram is on there? That's correct. Yeah, email, Perfect. Twitter, Instagram. Yep, it's all there. Showyouhard.com. Perfect. Thank you. Jason, how about you? 
I'm going to steal show's uh, business there and say it's uh, jasonmemmel.com. That's where you can find all the all the important stuff. I'm also one of the very few Jason Memmels that show up on uh, Google if you just happen to Google me. So. Oh, yeah. Good to That's know. That's perfect. Awesome. And uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Illustrated Nick. My website is nickj.ca. And my art blog, which really focuses on process, is at nicksoup.com. Uh, Pencil Town is an official podcast, don't you know? So we have a Twitter. Uh, it is at Pencil Town Pod. Uh, we have an email as well. You can email us suggestions and feedback at thepenciltownpodcast at gmail.com. And guess what? We even have show notes. If you go to thepenciltownpodcast.blogspot.com, I'll have links to all the people we've mentioned here today. That's going to take a long time, by the way. <laughs> and um, also uh, links to some of the social media deets. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for joining us. That concludes our episode. We really hope you enjoyed your visit to Penciltown today, and we hope you'll stop by again soon. Jason and Sho, thanks for joining me, guys. No problem. Thanks very thanks much. Absolute pleasure. Thanks. No problem. See you again soon. Yo. Does this audio sound good?